Welcome to Movies That Make Us. I'm Jake. I'm Tracy. I'm Val. And this week, we're talking about Saving Private Ryan. Yay! <laughs> Yay. <laughs> we, we've done a lot of light, happy, fluffy movies. This is not one of those. No. <laughs> but different. it's still a really good movie, right? It's and, a and classic. I don't know that it's not happy. There's a right. lot of very important things that happen in the film, but there are a lot of actually really cool moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this movie makes me happy, but not in the way... That like a comedy would. Right. But yes. I agree. I mean, it. Yeah. you can have a good, happy movie without it being fluffy and light all the way through. Yeah. And this one definitely is that, I think. And it's the 75th anniversary of D-Day coming up. And yes. so that's why this movie will be back in theaters during that time, which is incredible. If you have not seen this movie in the theater, it is definitely one of those that you want to see. The cinematography holds up. Mm-hmm. The film holds up. Like, it doesn't look dated. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a all. beautiful film. And you guys all know that Steven is my favorite. Like, Steven Spielberg <laughs> is the reason why I went into filmmaking. And it, actually, a movie that we're going to talk about next week, um, which is Schindler's List, is the reason why I went to film school. Yeah, right. Like, I saw Schindler's List. And I was like, holy crap, I learned more by watching that movie than I did in history class. And then I saw this film and the same thing happened. And I thought that is the power of film. Mm-hmm. It's And it was so crazy. I knew this movie was a good movie as a teenager when they said that, you know, people that actually were at D-Day could not see the film because it was so true to life. It was a horrible experience for them in the theater. And so a lot of people got angry. But for me, I wasn't there. I couldn't experience it. And for me to understand as much as I can from someone else's perspective, this movie did exactly what it needed to do. Mm. Well, and I forget, I'm so old, but I was in film school when I saw these two movies. And just Spielberg went to a whole nother level with both of these films. Um, my grandfather left a small town in Utah up in the mountains and got in and enlisted early, uh, lied about his age, went into the military, went to the Navy, and he drove those landing boats in the Pacific. So he wasn't oh, wow. involved in D-Day, wow. but he was there in, in the Pacific and he never talked about it. Mm-hmm. And seeing that movie, I just had tears rolling down my face thinking about what he experienced and what he saw. And on the few times that he would talk about it, he told us about how the guys on the, as they were boarding into his boat would ask how the fighting was on the beach. And oftentimes it was a hundred percent fatality. Nobody was coming off of that just because the fire was so heavy and he'd have to lie to him and tell him, Oh, it's not that bad because he wanted to give them hope for their last few minutes, but he knew he was driving these boys and they were all boys to their deaths. And I think the powerful, the most powerful thing that they did with this film is they decided to shoot a lot of it handheld. Mm-hmm. They put the camera right in the middle of this battle. There's no crane shots. There's no real wide shots. You are right there with all of them. And it's like, you're experiencing it. You go over the boat with the guys, the sound changes of the bullets whiz through the water. Um, yeah, they don't with them going was, on the beach. It was one of the first films that they started not keeping the lens clean. And mm-hmm. you see that in a lot now, like in Dunkirk, mm-hmm. um, you see that where, you know, the water splashed on the camera, you're leaving it. We're not editing it. That blood's on the camera like it, it was in and it, what got me and it gives me like I have the chills right now is the opening scene 
is 10 to 15 minutes without any dialogue. Right. Mm-hmm. And almost all of it, like for the first seven minutes, is all one shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to have that choreographed... It, just making a film is hard. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> and now you are adding in water. Mm-hmm. You're adding in vehicles in water. You're adding people that have to get in and out of water, which means every time you take a take, you have to dry those people off. Right. You have explosions. You have guns. You have – and it's just like it's so much detail. So as a filmmaker, just stay outside of the story in general, just as a film lover and a filmmaker, that was incredible. And Steven Spielberg – loves to do that to us. He does it in Castaway. Mm-hmm. He does it in Schindler's List. Um, I believe he does it for a scene in E.T., but it's a, like a three-minute shot that that's all one. Back, well, back then you had less yeah. take time. The well, film and, and the and camera in, was more limited. Yeah, yeah. and in that movie there wasn't a whole lot of time to do that, but he likes to see how much he can get in one shot, which I appreciate. Um, and and a lot of people have copied it since, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. Well, I think that's one of the things, you know, you mentioned a lot of people have copied it since. And I think a lot of people have copied a lot of what Steven Spielberg has done mm-hmm. um, just in his career. Obviously, he's hugely influential. And that's a big reason why this whole month we're talking about Steven Spielberg, because there's, I mean, even in a month, we're not even going to scratch the surface of what no. he has accomplished and brought to filmmaking. And I, I think this film is so important for a lot of the reasons that you guys have mentioned I think history is so important, and I think it's easy to forget history. When this film came out in 1998, um, that was already 54 years after after yeah. D-Day. And now we're another 21 years removed from that, 75 it years ago. It does not feel like 21 years No, it doesn't. That's out. true. <laughs> but there's a whole new generation of kids, of young people that haven't, seen this and they don't really understand what world war ii was right they don't understand why this is the greatest generation what these people sacrificed and what they gave up and i think seeing a film like this helps and and how real it feels helps us understand and connect with them in a new way that that before films like this wouldn't be possible well so much of history in school is memorizing dates what was this treaty what date was it signed who was involved and it's just a bunch of numbers that, and dates that you spit back out on a on a test. Mm-hmm. And this film does – and then um, Band of Brothers, which Spielberg produced yes. later, mm-hmm. um, really give you a sense of living that history. And like I said, with the camera being right there for most of the film, you know, you feel like you're experiencing it and you're learning these stories and the importance of it. And the thing that I love too, and it bothers a lot of people, especially when it came out, was they do not shy away from the horrors of war. No. There's well, a... that's the whole idea of the movie. Mm-hmm. That's what kind of movie Steven Spielberg makes. He doesn't, he has no apologies at showing you the exact picture. He wants you to feel uncomfortable so that you learn from the mistakes. And, and it's interesting because when it came out, I remember a lot of people were upset about that. Well, I want to go see it, but I don't want to see that. Right. Well, Sorry, that's there are not other how movies about work. World War II that you can go watch. Then absolutely. Well, and I, so we we record here in Utah, mm-hmm. and there's a predominant culture and religion here in the state, right? We all know. I right? have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> all right, can you can you educate me, sir? <laughs> but one of the things, and and having grown up in that religion and still being an active participant in mm-hmm. it, one of the things that was, was talked about the whole time I was a teenager. You don't go see R-rated movies, right? right? Right, right. And Saving Private Ryan had a big old R on it. But this is not R-rated like 
it's full of I would say not full. It is full of language, but so was being in the army. I would imagine during a war. Absolutely. Yeah, but and with everything violence, else is going on, I don't ever right. remember what swear words it's they no, say it because it's in context. Right. Exactly. And with the story that's going on around it, you don't. It's not the worst thing that's happening no. in this movie. <laughs> no, it's not. And but the thing is, is there's in my opinion, there's two different kinds of there's uh, gratuity for gratuity right sake. and that's not what this is there's at all. a quentin tarantino mm-hmm. movie right and then there's a steven spielberg movie absolutely both great well different kinds of great <laughs> different <though. laughs> like i mean you can't uh, we'll you talk can't. about tarantino another time <laughs> right i mean but yes that's the tarantino difference. does tarantino and yes. he does it better than anybody else but this is totally different. Yeah, different this, kind of this thing. is because that you have to have that in this film. You have to the way he's shooting it, the way he's telling the story. You have to have these things. And some guy that just got blown up and he's missing half of his body is not going to be like, oh shoot, oh yeah. you know, heck. oh bummer. <laughs> and, it, you know, and I think I mean, it takes away from some of the value too if some guy gets blown up and you pan away from it and you just have to assume that's what happened off screen. Exactly. I think right. there's a certain power, especially when you're trying to film and shoot a scene like the invasion of Normandy. Like that was bloody and gruesome and awful and traumatizing. We lost so many people. Yeah. Right. Like, it, it, I mean, it's, and you tell that to somebody in a history class or in a discussion group right. of how many people that they lost. And in your mind, you're like, okay, well, you know, a number is a number, like you said. Mm-hmm. But when you see it, you can't talk. Like you're watching it and you're thinking, that's, you know, that's a just picture, I would say, you know, Salt Lake City. Everyone in Salt Lake City just died. In yep. a day. Yeah. Yeah. Within hours. Mm-hmm. Like most of them didn't, couldn't even get off the boat. Yep. They yep. never had a chance. And they're 15, 16, 17, and 18-year-old kids. They are kids. Yep. Absolutely. And it just – that scene when they're in the boat and Captain Miller's hands shaking yeah. and he's trying yeah. to get that canteen and the one guy's praying and the other guy's just kind of staring off and this thousand-yard stare and it just – yeah. I mean it's it's incredibly difficult. They have a character in there that everyone can relate to, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean y- – Yes, the cast – I mean, it's all men because that's what it was. Right, okay, right. So, however, it doesn't mean like this is this is my favorite movie. Like everybody said, it's hard to pick a favorite movie. Mm-hmm. This is my favorite movie. And, and it's because every Sunday while it was in theaters, my friend who worked at the movie theater that used to be over by the old Spaghetti Factory in Taylorsville. Remember mm-hmm. that movie theater that that's theater, now yeah. like a workout place? <laughs> yeah. I do. Um, I haven't set he, foot in it since it He changed. worked there and every Sunday he let me in to go see that movie while it was in theaters. And my parents and my friends are like, why do you keep going to see that movie? And I saw something new every time. Yeah. And I, it's just a beautiful film. It's a horrifying film. But Steven Spielberg also did something amazing with this film and he picked the right actors. Yes. And it's 100%. so important. Like, let's go through this list really quick. Yes. And a couple of them were nobodies at the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So mm-hmm. of course, Tom Hanks, which yeah. he did a great job Brilliant. with that. Matt Damon, who almost nobody knew who Matt Damon was. Mm-hmm. Tom Sizemore, who is fantastic. Incredible and- actor. It's just too bad that drugs. Yeah. Interrupted his career. Edward Burns. Yeah. Ben Diesel. Mm -hmm. Barry Pepper, who is fantastic. Adam Goldberg, I thought, had one of the best scenes in the entire movie. And the movie that he had done before this was um, uh, Dazed and Confused. Right. Which (laughs) is hilarious to me that he went from that. But 
again, <laughs> these are great actors, and mm-hmm. Spielberg saw who these were. And, and then we have uh, Giovanni. I mean, mm-hmm. he's fantastic. Jeremy Davies. Ribsy, yeah. Yeah, Ribsy, sorry. Ted Danson. Mm-hmm. Paul Giamatti. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... The, he he's it's the incredible. one that can Nathan Fillion, Brian Cranston, Dennis was, Farina, like all of Hollywood was on this film. I think it was Nathan Fillion's first film. Yeah, his first mm-hmm. big time. Yeah, yeah big, his, big role. Yeah, yeah his yeah, first yeah. blockbuster mm-hmm. film, I guess you could say. Yeah, and but nobody knew who he was at no, the time. No. Nobody really knew who Matt Damon was at the time. He'd been in a few other things, but nothing huge. And he puts him in as a main character in this film. But every character in this film had a purpose. Mm-hmm. There wasn't anybody that was just thrown in. Even though Ted Danson only had like ten lines in this film, his character was important and his right. lines meant something. And this movie, I think, is one of the most quotable movies the the speech that the captain gives when the men go in and they say it's just one man yeah. out of all of these men and he pulls out the speech um from uh i just went blank um the president um abraham lincoln abraham lincoln yeah. and he reads the letter from abraham lincoln and before that point, you were kind of like, yeah, I don't know that he needs to go get this person. Right. We're like, yeah, I mean, he, yeah, it's, uh, but then he reads that and we're like, go get him. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever you have to do, go get him. Well, and I think the reason that the cast works so well is at the very beginning, as they were getting ready to do this, Spielberg asked them if they wanted the cast members, if they wanted to join with some Marines and do some boot camp work. And to a man, everybody said no, except for Tom Hanks. And he was the biggest star there. And he said, if I absolutely. Tom Hanks says, yes, you're doing it. Vin Diesel said no. Everybody said no. They weren't interested in doing that because it was going to be like six days, yeah. 24 hour days. It was a hardcore boot camp. And Tom Hanks, they said he never complained. He never had an issue with it. And so everybody else, when they're like, it's three o'clock in the morning, I'm exhausted, I'm tired. I can't say anything because he's not saying anything. Right. And so they good. talked about how that really bonded them as a, as a group yeah. of people before they even shot one second of film. That's yeah. awesome. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. That's yeah. a cool story. Yeah. Thanks, Tracy. Hey. <laughs> to say thanks to Tracy, go ahead and email. <laughs> Usually well, I get the complaints. I get a that's compliment a this time. All right. Podcast at <laughs> movies at make us.com. Um, I don't yeah, remember what cool. I was going to say. Go on. You had a point, Jake. I, oh, I... I agree. I think you mentioned that in history class, it's all about the dates and the, who signed what and the great men doing great deeds, right? That's kind of what you always hear about history class. And I studied history in in school. That's what my undergrad was, was oh, history. Cool. And so, but what I discovered, and one of the reasons I loved history was movies like this about regular people doing the great things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's what makes Saving Private Ryan so good, in my opinion, is it's a story that's taking place in the middle of this great event that we've all heard about, but it's about real people. Well, and they give Regular him such people. a real life because yes. you're looking at Tom Hanks's character the entire time, Captain Miller, and you know, you're thinking he's this great captain and everybody respects him. Right. And it's kind of like seeing your teacher outside of school. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so they, when they start, like there's a bet on finding out more about his life <laughs> and what he does. Right. And he finally tells them that he's a school teacher. Right. 
And the fact that he is a school teacher and it puts you in mind of you're thinking about your English teacher, or your history teacher, or your science teacher going about his day every day and then being shipped over to Normandy, you know, and having to save all of these men. It's his job to keep right, these 100%. men alive. And I thought it was so great that he was a teacher. Well, and that's like scene, the powerful hero that a teacher is that they never get that recognition really mm-hmm. like emanated with me when I was younger. Well, and the way I love in that scene, too, because that plays in so well, because right before that, they've gone, they've taken the sniper's nest. Nobody wanted to do it. The medic gets shot. He dies. They capture the German. They're making him dig the graves. He's begging for his life. I love America. F Hitler. You know, um, Betty Boop, you know, uh, yeah. what a gam, you know, yeah. and, and he's, he's basically doing what he can because he thinks these guys are going to kill him and everybody wants to kill him except for um, Corporal Upham. Yes, Upham. And he's like, Captain, are you going to do anything? And, and you kind of are like, is Tom Hanks, is Captain Miller going to allow these guys to kill him? And then when they are just at a fever pitch and that's when he brings up, what's the, what's the pool on me? How much is the pool? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm a teacher. And it just diffuses the entire situation. And, and then, then later we all realize he should have killed him. That guy comes back at the end and he's at that town in the climax. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. One and of the then best eventually the Upham movie. shoots yeah. him. Yeah. Upham, he surrenders to Upham for the second time. And, and I, I feel like so many it. of us felt like we were Upham. Mm-hmm. Like oh, we would 100%. be out there. We wouldn't know what we were going to do. Mm-hmm. Could we really kill somebody if we had to, you know, when you're in war and you see it through all of these, you know, different soldiers eyes is that when you're in war, the things that you usually think about don't matter anymore. And we don't understand that. And then they have to come back to the real world Ugh. and they have to push those feelings away of mm-hmm. the things that they've done mm-hmm. that don't happen in real life. And Upham is kind of that in between area. And at the end he realizes it does, you know, this, this is war. Yeah. The, this guy is going to kill as many people as he can. He's not going to stop because that's his job. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and at the time, too, one of the few things my my grandpa talked about was um, they didn't have PTSD doctors and training and no. stuff like that for no, when these guys came it back. Up. So he went to the doctor and the doctor said, well, you have two choices. I can get you a prescription for some narcotics or you can have alcohol. And my grandpa turned to alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, As did so many. Absolutely. And that's how he numbed himself down to getting through yeah. through those memories. And we all would like to, you know, imagine that we'd be the hero striving in to save the day. We're probably more like Upham when he's in that uh, crater and he's just sobbing and he's stuck on the stairwell and he can't go up because he's just so overwhelmed with the chaos that's happening around him. Mm-hmm. And who can blame him? I oh, mean, with everything that's going on, yeah. I mean, he was trying to carry his typewriter. Yeah. <laughs> he thought he was going to have enough. He had no idea what he was doing. Where can Obviously, I put my typewriter yeah. in the trash? Because you're not, unless you're going to hit somebody with it, you can't looks, use yeah. that. He looks so sad, and then Miller just shows him a pencil. Like, yeah. this is all you need. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he didn't even need that pencil either. I mean, I think he lost it within the first five minutes. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, it was so great to see him working with Spielberg again you mm-hmm. know um he's such a great actor and he doesn't pop up very often yeah he's kind of like that quiet you know zinger like he comes in unexpectedly into a movie and he just wows you yeah he's an incredible incredible actor um I remember when he popped up on Lost yeah I was so excited when he popped <laughs> up on Lost it's like oh, okay this is gonna be good yeah 
Now he's doing some uh, voice work for video games lately. Oh, nice. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I think it was God of War that he was just involved that's, with or something. Yeah. That's the gig, man. I mean, oh, yeah. voice work. <laughs> that would be awesome. You don't have to wear pants. Like, Because yeah. you're just a microphone in a room. You don't have to wear <laughs> pants. So it's like the best job ever. That does well, sound we're all awesome. You get paid to talk I and not wear st- pants. I want to state for the record, we are all wearing <laughs> pants. I, I almost went you for don't a joke know. about not wearing <laughs> pants, but no, I am. You don't know. <laughs> That's true. You're on the other side of the table. I don't know. <laughs> and I'm not going to confirm or deny anything over here. I'm just going to. It's I'm because let you, you signed wonder. that document. That's right. <laughs> but I mean, just the the humanity of these characters is what carries us. And one of the things that my one of my main professors in film school said was, if you're going to take us to a very dark place. You've got to give us an equal amount of light at the end. You've got mm-hmm. to give us something to pull, even a glimmer of hope. Give us something to pull us back from that. And we get that throughout, like when he doesn't allow the execution of the yeah. German soldier. Mm-hmm. And we hear about, you know, um, the the general who wanted the jeep strapped to the to the plane and caused yeah. the plane to crash. And all these guys died yeah. because the general wanted to make sure that he had his, his jeep. But these guys are there for each other. They're there for their country. They're there for the things that they believe in. And that's what carries that hope through um, at the end, even when Captain Miller dies and he tells Ryan to earn this, this life that he's been given. Which I mean, what that's a crazy thing to carry on your shoulders. Right. You know, your whole life is that all of these men died to come get you. Mm-hmm. So you better live your life the right way. One of the scenes that really weighed heavy on me was when they think they found Private Ryan, but they find Nathan Fillion's character, and they're all sitting out in the open, and they're going through bags of dog tags in the middle, and they're going through names. And all of these noobs, all these 16-year-old boys are walking through just looking at thousands of dog tags pulled Mm -hmm. from people. And they're like, put those away. What are you doing? Well, like those are, are they're not just to them because it's it's dull, it's gray, it's shut off. Mm-hmm. But these new kids coming in, right. like you said, they needed hope and all they're seeing is death without even seeing a body. Like right. crazy to me. Thousands of those dog tags. Well, and they're kind of treating it kind of callously. They're treating it well, like a mad. who can yeah. find this guy first. Yeah. Yeah. And these other guys. Because they want to like, go home. Well, and those dog tags are sacred. Yeah. That is somebody's life. Mm-hmm. That represents a life right there. And you're just tossing it aside and treating it like a joke. That, but you get both sides for sure. Oh, like these guys wanted to go yeah. home. This they is were the almost last thing home. They is, do. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's just yeah. It to me that you could see both. You could see three different sides of the story there, without even really saying anything. Mm-hmm. You could see it, which is just great filmmaking. And then Nathan Fillion comes up, and then they make him cry like a little girl, which made me <laughs> it's just so cute. It's adorable. Totes adorbs Nathan Fillion. Totes adorbs. <laughs> Phrase I did not expect to say on this episode. Totes adorbs. I'm trying to keep it light, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. No, and it is true, and that's that's masterful storytelling when you've got two different sides like that. You've got the the young kids, and you've got the the guys that have been out there for a while, and and everything, and you can see both sides, and yeah. you can see yourself in both sides, and I think that that's just how incredible this movie is, and I love. It you talked about the weight that he carries and you see that in the last scene where he's talking about if he lived up to it, did he do it? You know, I think, I think anything would have been better than nothing. Right. And I think, you know, my uncle um, was in the war and I had a lot of people in my family that were in the war, but again, many don't talk about it. Right. Um, But my uncle, he was in it and he, 
you know, had friends that didn't make it back. And, and that's what he says. He's like, anything that you do is better than doing nothing, you know, just to honor these, these men. If you were to come home and drink yourself into a stupor, which most people didn't have, they had no other way to do it. Absolutely. Um, but you know, a lot, a lot of people made it out of that and made it into a life. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, I think it is a hard, um, burden to carry, but I think, you know, they showed that he had a family and kids and Mm -hmm. grandkids and, you know, he was still alive. I think that was the most important thing is that he contributed and he remembered them. Absolutely. Um, when my grandpa came back from the war, he married my grandma very quickly after he got back. And my mom told me several times that he was a very different father than he was grandfather. Because mm-hmm. when she was growing up, he was still dealing with these things and he had a drinking problem and he had anger issues mm-hmm. because of what he experienced at such a young age. But he was the best grandpa you could ever ask for as a kid. I mean, he built us a horseshoe pit in his backyard. We taught us how to play horseshoes. Um, we would ride on the back of his motorcycle around the neighborhood. Um, just the most caring, gentle guy ever. And it is kind of that involvement of these guys mm-hmm. as they managed to work through these terrible issues and become good people. Not that he wasn't good before, exactly. but yeah. Become but a they had no person. resources. Right. Yeah, 100%. They were just told to go in, do just for your country and come home and then get back get to back doing to what you were doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Saving Private Ryan is one story of a line that almost – stopped because if he would have died, then his family, Mm -hmm. you know, history would have never went on. But Mm -hmm. what about all of the boys that went in that were single children, single boy, you know what I mean? Like so many people, their lineage died at world war Mm two, which is Mm -hmm. crazy to think about. And I feel like it's not a huge message in the movie, but you feel that, you know, and, and I think Spielberg, he tells us exactly in this movie and in band of brothers and in Schindler's list is that we have to remember what happened and we need to share the stories. And that's what he is so good at is Mm -hmm. getting these stories from people and telling them in a way that people want to hear them. And I, it's such good filmmaking. Well, and that's, that's such a key thing is remembering these stories, remembering these things that happen. And, you know, it's getting to the point where there's not a lot of veterans of Mm -mm. world war two that are, that are left to even tell us firsthand accounts if they're even willing to share it. Exactly. Right. And that's and, and so it makes these films that much more important, I think. And it it makes talking about them that much more important. It makes going to see them when they're back in the theaters that much more important. Yeah, because you, that's a way we can remember what happened. And probably most of our listeners have not seen it on the big screen. And right. see it on the biggest screen you can because it is amazing. Yeah, yeah, like you said, the cinematography still holds up well. Mm-hmm. Um, shot on thirty-five millimeter, and the coloring of the film the is exquisite. Is mm-hmm. Insane. I don't think it would have felt the same way if he wouldn't have done it that way. It kind of has this like brown, kind of washed um, out. I mean, the colors are still vivid, but it's mm-hmm. in a way that you almost you don't you don't get the color to the full extent, but you see it. Um, it's it's, it, it's almost it feels like, the film like a is, World War Two film. It, it yeah. does. It's mm-hmm. like it's dressed in the like khaki green army like that's what the film Uh feels like like and it's really that's the only way i can think to describe it but it feels that way yeah 
And so when when there are green parts and there are some green parts in the film, you really see the green, you know. Oh, yeah. And it, that's like what you said, the hope, the up and down of the hope. He does it not only with music, when the music is fantastic, mm-hmm. but the cinematography, the coloring of the film. And, you know, an unpopular opinion probably is he also shows the other side of this war. And there's, you know, there's a moment where the soldiers meet each other. They they get through the green grass and they meet each other and you know that those soldiers are just the same little boys as our soldiers that are the same little mm-hmm. boys and they're scared out of their mind and they don't want to kill anyone either. But if they don't kill someone, then they're- their people will kill them, which is a very different side than what our side was. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it, it's that how far are you willing to go moment. And the only person that really stood their ground, well, I guess there was probably three, Tom Hanks's character, Captain Miller, um, Vin Diesel's character mm-hmm. um, and uh, the sniper. Uh, the sniper. Oh, yes. Um, he um, really holds his ground on where he sits. Like, God gave Private me Jackson. this. Yeah, Private Jackson. He's such a great character. Mm-hmm. You know, God gave me this gift, and I'm going to use the gift, but I'm not going to misuse the gift. Right, right. Right? right. So he could have stood up there and just snipered everyone's butts, right? I just said butts instead of the A word, by the way, producer. <laughs> thought I'd point that out to you. Okay. Um, <laughs> he went up, and he went to kill the sniper. Right. He didn't go up to kill all of the other, you know, mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. He he killed that. That was his job to kill the sniper, and he was focused on it because that sniper was going to take out his guys. Yeah. So he had a job to do, and he he did. Yeah. It. Yeah. And, and and he had such conviction, and you know, he knew when he knew he was going to die, he didn't care. He's like, yeah. "This was my job. I'm going to do my job, and if mm-hmm. I die doing my job, then that's what I that's what I die doing." Well, and. Tom Hanks, just the everyman, he's just like one of the greatest actors of our generation. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's going to play Mr. Rogers in an upcoming film. I mean, if that's yeah. not Americana. I mean, um, he's played well, he's Walt played Disney, Disney. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, I love one of my favorite scenes is when he's everybody is, is talking about how little ammo they have in the town. They've got to hold this bridge and they are facing impossible odds. And he's like, do you have any C4? Like, ordnance is about the only thing that we have a lot of. And you got socks? Let's got go. Socks, let's go. And then <laughs> yeah. he's like, we'll make a sticky bomb. And they're like, what is sticky that? Sticky bomb? Like, oh, it's in, the, it's in the manual. You know, totally yeah. playing this off. Like, he knows exactly it's what... It's what he did he's... when he was a kid at home. It wasn't in the manual. <laughs> he used to do this with his brothers when they blew up the guy's trash can next door. That's why I loved this part so much. But he's got to convince these guys that he yeah. has a plan. Because these guys are on the edge of panic. And mm-hmm. he's got to be like, no, we can we can do this. We'll mm-hmm. just bring the tank down this road and we'll trap them in here and we'll give them some bait to chase. And then we'll have these sticky bombs and then, you know, we'll we'll disable the tank and then we'll just and it, he's got this whole thing laid out. And these guys go along with it mm-hmm. because they need that hope. They need that idea. But, yeah, I just love that. And then uh, you've got. um Edward Burns, Private Relbin. Yes. He's like, oh, great. We're giving up our socks now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's like the only thing that's theirs. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the only thing they have that's theirs anymore. But his character was so great, too. I mean, he was basically put there just to be the sarcastic, like, breakup of, you know, monotony. And he did it so well. He's the stereotypical New Yorker. Yeah. yeah. You know, the angry yeah. New Yorker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I think I, I love how the leadership that uh, Captain Miller demonstrates through all of this, right? Mm-hmm. You know, great leaders, 
you you think about all the things they accomplish and and whatever but a really good great leader is someone who in these moments of panic and darkness and everything else he can find the best in people he can defuse a situation yep. he can stay calm even though inside he's probably freaking out just like everybody else um and i think that that's awesome and he is the faceless nameless captain that there were probably hundreds or thousands of in world war two that did the same kind of thing that he did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When he, he talks about in the one scene about how, when you complain, you complain up, you don't complain down to your exactly. guys. Right. I have used that so leadership. much in management when mm -hmm. I've had to hire people. Mm -hmm. And when I'm talking to people like in business is like, I take the saving private Ryan analogy and I'm like, you do not complain across. You do not complain down. You complain up. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear or see you complaining to, you know, well, it just infects the rest of your team. Yeah. It yeah. just spreads like a cancer. So yeah, you complain up. And then they said, well, what would you say if the general was right here? I'd say this is a great plan, sir. I'd say that we're going to execute <laughs> this plan perfectly, sir. He was lying. Well, he probably would say that to the general. I don't know, but yeah, they he wanted him to tip compliant. his hand. No. He seemed pretty compliant. Well, and yeah. this too is a stretch of films where where Spielberg worked with the same cinematographer, Janusz yes. Kaminski, and he worked with him on Schindler's List. Yes. He worked with him on Saving Private Ryan. Um, I don't remember the new guy that he's working with is lately, but I don't like him as much. I mm -hmm. love Kaminsky's work. I think he's a, just well, I think a brilliant cinematographer. What him and Kaminsky do together in these films is that they give you a story without dialogue. So if you mm -hmm. if you've done this, and I don't know if many have, but with movies that I that are my favorite. I will watch without sound, without subtitles. Hmm. And if you can still see the same movie, yep. then it was really made well. And this is one of those that with the coloring of the film, with the actors and how good they are, the film is so great. But if you haven't watched it without sound, even if you want the subtitles on so you can hear it, if you haven't watched it without sound, do it. Because there's so many things visually that you don't see when you're trying to keep up with the dialogue. Right, mm -hmm. right. Well, and Orson Welles was quoted as saying that. if The sign of a good movie is if you have no soundtrack and you can just visually watch the film, then that's a good film. Am I as smart as Orson you Welles? You are totally as smart as Orson Sweet. Welles. Sweet! <laughs> I think that's what that means. That's amazing. But, but the other thing, if you really... Um, really Tons of dwarves and amazeballs. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> But the, and and I agree with you on the it. on the picture. But to me, the sound is so important in this film. Oh, the, the, sound the sound is mixing. amazing. Sound, you can you can get away with bad picture if you have good sound. People will, for the most part, unless you're a Game of Thrones episode, will forgive you for having bad visuals, as long as they can it can hear and understand what's going exactly. on. Exactly. Right? So, like I said, when they're getting in the boat and the and the people go overboard. The camera goes underwater and it, you get that sound get of muffled. what it sounds yeah. like underwater and you hear yeah. the bullets hitting oh. the water. Then the camera pops back up and then you hear the bullets with the high-pitched scream screaming by and you hear the men and you go under again and it's, it's And they muted. do that same thing in Dunkirk. I mean, yes. they steal it almost because it makes you feel so claustrophobic so that you can feel the stress that these people were feeling. And in Dunkirk, they went just a little bit further with it and I just felt so claustrophobic. But yeah. all I could think of, of was, yeah, you Spielberged it. I mean, you know, but if, you, if you're gonna if you're gonna steal, if you're from gonna any, do steal something from the back, you know, yeah, 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 Spielberg absolutely. It. Well, and the other time I think is really important with sound is at the very beginning when we're Miller's trying to take the beach and there's an explosion that goes off nearby and it takes away his hearing 
and everything is very hollow and the men are screaming at him, what are we going to do? And he's just kind of dazed and looking around. That scene kind of repeats itself towards the end when they're on the bridge Mm -hmm. and the bridge is getting ready to be blown and he goes to pick up the detonator. Um, They shoot a bazooka or throw a grenade. I can't remember. There's an explosion by him and it knocks him down. And again, he can't really hear and the guys are screaming at him and he's kind of confused but then finds himself again. And it's this beautiful tracking shot where they're pushing slowly in on him from the point of view of a tank. Yeah. And he just pulls out his handgun and his hand is shaking, but he starts firing off rounds because he's going to keep fighting until the very, very end. And it's pointless and it's futile, but that's what he's going to do. And those scenes to me just really sum up that movie. But yeah, you don't often get a point of view shot from a tank. So that was no. kind of- <laughs> And they did it again in Fury. They Spielberg yes. that in Fury, which was also a very good movie. But again, we wouldn't have these films being so gutsy, I don't think, if we wouldn't have had Saving Private Ryan first. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, and Spielberg at that point could pretty much do whatever he wanted. Nobody yeah. else could do that. Nobody else could go to the studio and say, I'm going to take this camera equipment and I'm going to jump out of a boat with it. And chase these guys up the beach. and Well, and Saving Private Ryan was a little bit of an easier sell than Schindler's List. You Absolutely. Know? He, I mean, for him to to make this movie, to make Schindler's List, and we'll talk about that more next week, but was a, was a big deal. And I don't think that anybody else could have made it other than him. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, they wouldn't have gotten the backing. And two, I don't think as many people would have talked. You know, again, with with this World War Two movie, not a lot of people talk about it. And, mm-hmm. you know, oh, my gosh, Schindler's List just to get finding survivors right. and getting them to tell their stories um, is a, a huge job, a huge task. And he took it on. And I mean, he spent basically 10 years of his life making these two films. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then he executive produced the Band of Brothers series, which if you haven't seen is it's amazing. Incredible. Right. Um, all based on true stories by Stephen Ambrose, who put those stories together. I love the fact that they did a Band of Brothers set in the Pacific because we don't often get to see the no. Pacific films. Yeah. We well, often we don't see the European Europe, film. Yep. Yeah, we don't get to see the Pacific side, and that was which was brutal and awful, and as bad if not worse. Yeah. yeah, but just a master filmmaker at the top of his craft. Um, yeah, brilliant, I, brilliant film. I agree, and we didn't talk much about it but the the soundtrack the music that john williams oh. puts into this I mean, john and it's williams not is phenomenal he is and what's amazing to me is he does a lot of these big bombastic yeah. themes for a lot of movies and even though there's there's kind of a theme that runs throughout this movie it's not that loud and overpowering like a superman theme or a star wars theme but it goes in really nicely with the film it doesn't take away from the story but adds to it in a way that really only John Williams can do. It just yeah, Again, if you were right to take pocket. out all of the dialogue and you were just to play his music and watch it, mm-hmm. it, it would tell the story. I, yeah. I think it's fantastic that he can do Star Wars, which you hear that and you immediately know the movie and then he can subtly, you know, mm-hmm. choreograph your, you know, your attention span through this movie with sound is just incredible. You know, I do, one of my favorite scenes in the film um, is with, um, Private Mellish, who is Adam Goldberg, mm-hmm. um, when he he knows he's in that building and he knows that he's going to have to kill someone because – and he's Jewish. Right. And he's in Germany. And, you know, basically uh, his lineage has been slaughtered. Mm-hmm. So he's already going in with a lot of emotion. And he's got Upham with him, which is – 
not the guy not you want in. No, who's carrying this, no. who's clumsy and carrying this ammo, and he's carrying all this emotional baggage. Right. And, you know, he kills this guy, and he's crying the whole time. And I, you just think to yourself, like, what is going through his mind, you know, because he doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be killing anyone. And his, you know, and his people have been slaughtered and right. – it's it, it just so many emotions, and he's such a good actor. I think he maybe said five or six words mm-hmm. during that whole time, but it's yeah. just like one of the most powerful scenes in the movie. Um, the other really powerful scene is the knife fight with the German officer. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. that scene! I stop breathing every time I watch that is scene. So hard because it is just this unrelenting close up. Yeah, he doesn't pull back. He puts the camera right there. Yeah, and when the German gets the upper hand, and he's he's going shh. Yeah. As he's getting ready to stab him, it just—I mean—it's so up close and personal, and right. you don't escape from. Yeah, that. again, next time you watch it, see if you're breathing because oh, I realize every time I'm every holding time. my breath, I'm every holding time. my breath, and I know yeah. what's happening. Yeah, yeah, I know what's going to happen, and it still gets me. Yeah, you think Winterfell is hard? Watch Whew. that scene. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I. Don't. <laughs> I know you don't. It's okay. It's okay. That's fine. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Wow. I got the double that's fair. All right. Totes fair. Totes totes fair. All right. So we've we've done this for a few movies. Uh, I don't know if it's even fair to even try to do it, but what grade would you give Saving Private Ryan? I don't. I mean, it's an A plus, and we yeah, all know plus. why I give it an A plus, right? Because I can watch it over and over. The yeah. film stand, the film stands the test of time, so it doesn't look like it's aged. And it, I mean, it's just a good movie, A plus all the way. Yeah, this I agree. is this is a film that will be taught in film school. This is a film that will be studied. Um, it's it's the cover of several film books that I own at home. Uh, absolute A plus. I agree. Like I said, just a master at the top of his game. I, I think so. Is this is this Steven Spielberg at his best? This and maybe Schindler's this, List. This and Schindler's List to me are his two greatest achievements. Yeah. I think, and we'll talk about this one later, uh, there's a different reason why I think Jaws okay. might be one. Um, I don't want to give away why in this episode, but mm-hmm. when we do Jaws, um, I will tell you in that episode. And that's really hard for me because I do – Schindler's List again is – or not Schindler's mm-hmm. List, but Saving Private Ryan is my favorite movie. Right. And for me to say that Jaws might be better but for a totally different reason, you might – That's you a might, good tease. Yeah. That is a good tease. So when we talk about Jaws – and I think that you'll all agree with me when it comes to filmmaking and like the cinematography and the f- story as a whole – Yes, I think this might be his best work. Mm-hmm. Um, Schindler's List might be a teeny bit more, just because. I would I would say Schindler's List. He had to push a, more. One A. Yeah. He had to push yeah. more to get that film yeah. made. Yeah. Um, which is hard, and he he could have lost. Mm-hmm. But um, Jaws, I will when we do our episode on Jaws, I will tell you why that one might be his best film. Um, but it's for totally different reasons. That might be my favorite film he's done. Mm-hmm. I may have seen that more than any other Spielberg. Film that and Raiders would be the two that I've seen the most. Yeah. So when we talk about but, that, then yeah, in a couple and the, weeks, and that's a good tease. Yeah, that's coming would, up at the end of the month. We'll talk I would about say Jaws. Schindler's List, then Saving Private Ryan, but by a hair. And I just can't watch Schindler's List as much as I can watch Saving Private Ryan. I mean, but because it, it's hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what also makes a good film. I yeah. mean, when it, when you feel so uncomfortable that you can't watch it, it means that he's done his job. Right. Yep. I agree. So Saving Private Ryan, we mentioned it's going to be back in theaters. If you guys are interested, those listening at home, 
uh, Fathom Events, I believe, Fathom is who's Events. putting it on. And they do mm-hmm. a lot of these bringing back these classic films and putting them in theaters, which is awesome because yes. there are so many films that you need to see on the big screen. Oh, yeah. And it, I don't care how big your TV is at home. It's just not the same as going to the theater. Yeah. I mean, this is one of them for sure. Sharknado, not at all. You don't need to see that, <laughs> well, that at was, all on the big screen. That was made for TV, so it's totally Sorry, fine. <laughs> It's totally fine to either watch That's it fair. home or skip That's totally fair. whatever you want to do. But I'm not saying that they're great movies, but they're a heck of a lot of fun. Yeah. Whatever. June, I believe it's June 2nd and June 5th. The yes. 75th anniversary of D-Day is June 6th. Um, so check out Fathom Events. See where it's playing locally for you. And really go see this movie in the theater. I don't yeah, think we're not be getting, We're not getting paid no, to tell you about yeah. this. Nope. We're telling you because it's a good movie and you should do yourself a service. I think it's right. playing a total of four times. Two times each of the two days. Yeah. 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 It's a Sunday and a Wednesday. So whatever works for you. Go, yeah. go, out there go do and it. See it. And then let us know what you think. I mean, if it's the first time you were seeing it, please let us know if it resonated with you the same as with us. If it's the first time you're seeing it on the big screen or the first time you're seeing it in 20 years, yeah. mm-hmm. um, we just want to hear from you. And if you haven't seen it yet, like really look at the prices and go see it in the theater because it, it, it really be is worth it just it. to see it in yeah. the theater. Oh, so. yeah, absolutely. Anyway, well, that, I mean. So how can they reach us if they want to get uh, that information? Well, out to us if they want yeah so they can email us that's a good point they can email us at podcast at movies that make us.com they can also find us on facebook at movies that make us we're on the gram instagram at movies that make yeah, us let us know you're great i want to know want to know what everyone's great is yeah this movie. like where do you rate Saving if you don't Private agree Ryan? with us that's fine i just want to know why yeah. i like to have the discussions absolutely yeah, there may be somebody out there that didn't like it i'd like to hear why yeah. it'd be an interesting conversation yeah um, but yeah, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can tweet at us where movies make us, right? Yep. At movies make us. Yep. Twitter. On yep. Twitter. It's a little different on Twitter. But. Yeah. Everything's a little different on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hashtag for real. Next week we'll be talking <laughs> for real. Uh, next week we'll be talking about Schindler's List, um, which is another Spielberg classic from the same time frame. I think it what came out one or two years before Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Yep. So, so basically, he owned it. the late '90s, I think, yep. and the early '80s, and the late '80s, and anyway, he almost owned last year, but hmm. he, yeah, there were some stumbles last year. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll talk about that another day. Yeah, yeah that's right. We'll do another <laughs> month of Spielberg later. <laughs> In the meantime, we won't see you at the movies. Thanks for listening. Go earn this. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.